Let's face it, hiring help is not easy these days. Let Zentegger Staffing help you find the right person for the right job. Head over to Zentegra.com forward slash Zentegra Staffing to find out more and let us staff your people needs. Welcome to another Citrix Session with your host, Andy Whiteside and Bill Sutton, your source for all things Citrix. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of the Citrix Session podcast. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got with me the Director of Services, Delivery Services and Consulting, Bill Sutton. Bill, how's it going? Well, well today, Andy. How about yourself? I am. Uh, I am... Enjoying a Monday, um, yeah. relatively quiet yeah. Monday. I'm probably going to jinx myself here, but I uh, had a great weekend. And <laughs> weather was perfect, and I had a great time hanging out with the the family. And looking forward to uh, looking forward to getting some stuff done this week. I, I'm multiple, uh, m- many many hundreds of emails in the hole. I went on vacation for two days a couple weeks ago, and I don't I don't know if I'll ever climb out. Yeah, that's always fun. I know when I'm gone for a few days, it. Uh get stuck in that that hole there of trying to get out of those emails it's a tough thing sometimes yeah. well we're lucky enough to have with us uh sean uh donahue from citrix sean is um let's see we practiced this beforehand sean is responsible for kind of marketing around global alliances with citrix which i know that includes Citrix includes microsoft um uh google uh amazon and others sean how's it going i'm doing great guys how are you doing um, we're good. Did you want to clarify your title for me? Make sure I got it right and what you cover? Uh, I, let me make sure I've got something that is innocuous and that nobody can fact check. How about that? Yeah. So let's go today, uh, being a Monday, let's say it's Alliance Marketing Evangelist. Okay. And what uh, those alliances, I named a few. Did I get them all or are there more? Oh, there's, uh, there's a lot more. We cover the whole Citrix Ready program too. So everybody's familiar with the, the, you know, the big name billboard names, the Microsoft, Google, Amazon, HPE, Cisco. And it, it's, this is almost like thanking people during your wedding toast because you know you're going to leave someone out. Uh, so there's a whole flurry of partners uh, as well. Then you get into the Citrix Ready ecosystem and there's 30 plus partners in there too. So uh, I do anything and everything that's a joint messaging activity, shedding light on what Citrix and our partners are doing and just bring a greater awareness to Citrix as well as the ecosystem. I think, I think you got an interesting job, right? Because you get to go do the fun stuff, I think. But at the same time, you've got to always be creating new and um, new and inventive ways to, to do what you do. It seems like a, a blessing and a curse. It's uh, It certainly is much more of a blessing. Um, and thankfully, I, I get inspiration, not always from the bottom of a wine bottle. But, you know, inspiration comes in many forms to those of us uh, who are lucky enough. So. So in a time like this, like we were saying in the pre-show, um, you know, I'm finding that pinning your career around traveling to various conferences and events, and I went to probably 12 to 15 a year. Well, when a pandemic hits and you're quarantined at home, that's not always a great 
thing. Uh, so we had to be very creative. We had to be very agile and we've started alternative video series and we're doing some things now around uh, highlighting the helpers it's called. And we're finding people who are in our ecosystem who are actually, they're finding creative ways to give back to their communities and to those who are less privileged uh, in very creative and unique ways. And I've interviewed people who have set up food kitchens, who have taught me about virtual food drives, who have volunteered time with people and mentoring. Uh, and it really, you know, that type of stuff has brought a whole new light and a whole new perspective to me. And I'm, I'm just so yeah, blessed to be able to do something like that and and to do it for someone uh, as as minded as Citrix is. Well, that's great, John. And it kind of will tie in really, really good with what we're going to talk about here. Um, I, I have a nonprofit that I'm in the I'm in the legal uh, trying to set up. I don't know if you know about this or not, but uh, using the Google product called Neverware Cloud Ready, where you convert x86 devices. Um, we convert those and, and in mass, I've got about 30 we're going to donate this week to various nonprofits to give away to their people, to give them you know, some form of a computer to get online and uh, you know, educate themselves and can communicate and, and add skills. So that's that's exactly uh, some of the things that we're doing at Zintegra on the side, or at least I am personally, and Zintegra obviously supports me uh, getting things done um, outside of my my day-to-day job. Well, had I known about that, I would have uh, I would have leaned on you to be a guest before now. So now, while we're recording, Bill, you have it on tape. I'm going to ask Andy to be my guest on an upcoming highlight the helpers to talk about this non charity. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Glad to do it. Yeah, I'm actually working with my uh, my 18 uh, year old son. He's he's in charge of it. I just you know every day spend a few minutes telling him what I need him to get done that day. But he's I'm trying to get them involved. Yeah, I, I spend hours a day telling my 15 year old son what I need him to do, and nothing gets done. So that's a, that'll be a new experience for me. Yeah, so if you can see what I'll add you to this uh, this group on LinkedIn that we have that uh, we're trying to between um, GoFundMe and and LinkedIn and Facebook we're we're getting started again I'm caught up in legalese trying to get an official nonprofit approved by the U.S. government um, that's where I'm stuck right now but as soon as that's done we're gonna start selling T-shirts and start uh, going nationwide and collecting computers and and reimaging them with a Google operating system and getting them out there. Wow, this is such a crazy coincidence and I know we didn't plan on talking about this, but I started a nonprofit back in 1997, 98. And the intent behind that was to get laptops, which were not very common back then, donated and then outfit them with dial-up modems that would oh, wow. slide into the side of the PC and then plug into uh, an RJ11 for the telephone wire and hand them out to people who were kind of in home, couldn't really get out because their immune systems were compromised. Um, So what a crazy coincidence. Yeah, well, I'd love love any help you can give me on this. I'd I'd love to have your involvement if you could. You're probably a really good person to have evangelizing and talking about this to both corporate sponsors who could give money and laptops and PCs, as well as letting the community know that these are out here. I'd, we we want to do it nationwide, and we want to do it market by market. You you probably could help us. Yeah, that sounds good. So let's I'd definitely do that. 
All right, so the goal today was to go over this uh, blog you wrote a couple weeks ago around uh, using GCP to do some some testing, some scalability testing um, oh, yeah. right here. So the name of the blog was uh, Speeding Clinical Testing Times with Citrix and Google Cloud Platform. I, I, sh I shoved the platform on the end. The reason I did that is because I think Google has some of the most the, maybe the widest array of, of offerings in our virtual app, desktop, compute, cloud space, EUC space, because they can provide a back end, they can provide an operating system for the edge, and they can provide applications in the middle, including that uh, that application known as the known as a Chrome browser, which you know pretty much ends up everywhere these days. So, John, let's let's jump into this and let's try to figure out you know what you're highlighting in this blog. Yeah, let's try and figure out why the word platform's not in the title of that blog too. I'm gonna have to. <laughs> talk to my editor on that but this is um god what an amazing story this was and this guy ulrich christensen um from i think copenhagen was yeah. such a great you want to have a good guest on your podcast talk to ulrich he's a really such a great personality and such a great story to tell here because um you know, Oncology Venture is is one of these environments, is one of these companies that creates tailored cancer uh, treatments for individuals. So if anybody, if you've ever experienced or known anybody who's experienced cancer, it's just absolutely, it's, it's brutal. I've been impacted by it uh, just so deep. I've got two sisters, my mom, all passed away of cancer. And to think about the treatments that they went through, which were not tailored to their individual cancers necessarily. It was kind of a protocol that the doctors would, you know, go through the book uh, and approach with chemotherapies and radiation or what have you. But Oncology Venture I don't want to speak, I don't want to pretend I'm an expert uh, in cancer, uh, you know, analytics, but they take uh, testing samples from patients and somehow they, they run these tests and they come back with treatments that are tailored to the individual and the type of cancer that they're currently battling. And you think of the impact that something like that has on people, it is staggering that that's the type of work they're doing. Uh, and then you, you talk to, to Ulrich and the numbers that he tells me, they just, I mean, completely leave me speechless. And if you talk to my wife, she will tell you that is not a common occurrence to get me to shut up and actually and be at a loss for words. But, you know, Ulrich was to do these analyses when they were on prem in their lab in Denmark, and they've got locations around the world, and they're in Boston too. Go Red Sox. Um, go Pete Downing, hey Pete. Uh, and, uh, you know, they will, to do the testing on-prem, he was, he was able to do eight tests simultaneously. And I'm like, all right, so that's, you know, you think about it, that's on-prem and you've got, you know, I'm, I'm envisioning, and this is probably not accurate at all, but I'm envisioning a rack, you know, a rack of computers uh, or even a, a blade system and you're spinning up eight VMs simultaneously and you're running this deep analytical testing, whatever magic it is that they do. 
Then they go to GCP and they go to a cloud-based platform and they can go from 80 and the marketing folks would say they went from 80 to, I'm sorry, they went from eight to 80. Well, that's not accurate because they went from eight to infinite. They could literally spin up as many of these instances, these workloads in GCP as they need. And they could just run as many tests simultaneously as they had demand for because the scalability of GCP enabled them to do that. And then they create their images with Citrix workspace and they could just keep popping through machine creation services. They could just keep popping up these VMs on demand. And now they're going literally however many tests they need to run simultaneously, which has, I mean, from a tech and a geek point of view, we all love cloud and we love the scalability of cloud, but put it into the human terms of the cancer treatments now that can be created and tailored for cancer patients. And now it has a significant human impact to what they're doing. So the story is just, it's one of my favorite, favorite stories. And the fact that they're in Boston only adds to it. As you know, I'm a Boston-based guy, or was. So, so Sean, the, um, and now you live in Raleigh, right? Is that? You, yes, my wife tells me I love it down here. Yeah, I'll, you do. <laughs> Raleigh, Charlotte, I'm, I'm in between both. I, I love them both. Hey, um, so is this really a story of using um, MCS and the scalability of GCP to spin up workloads? And then did they actually access these workloads via some type of Citrix session? Or was it really just a matter of MCS and scaling when GCP to, 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 to do back-end processing? Now, one of the things that they wanted to do was also to standardize on a desktop. So instead of having all these, you know, any many disparate, you know, desktops that people could be accessing, they wanted to standardize on a desktop. That's why they decided to go with Citrix virtual apps and desktops to get that standardization. So it doesn't matter what the clinician is using for an endpoint. And, you know, let's face it, they could grab a Chromebook, they could grab, you know, any number of devices that they wanted to, because once they've got Citrix workspace, what used to be called receiver, on the endpoint, spin it up, attach, boom, they're into a standardized environment that's a central IT controlled, you know, desktop. So that was that was one of their goals. And then Oncology Venture went to like a Citrix Summit or a Synergy, one of those two events where Citrix announced that they were going to have machine creation services available on GCP. So now they went from standardizing desktops as the route they had to take, and they did do that, to then bring in the scalability of GCP and MCS as the added, you know, spice to the soup. And then they even brought in Citrix files so they could do secure data sharing from their on-prem data center to wherever their clinicians happen to be around the world. So it was kind of the trifecta of everything that came into play for them. 
I love the idea of somebody, you know, thinking outside the box and, and what you can do with the the elasticity as well as the available availableness, availability of the cloud, uh, and then using technologies what Citrix has brought into that mix to get the most out of it. That's that's just a great story. Bill, thoughts or comments on that? Yeah, I, I agree with what you just said, Andy. I was going to bring up the point that uh, I guess when they were able to get what it was at eight tests out of a workload on premises, they were constrained, I guess, by their, their hardware, uh, you know, the scalability of their hardware. And when you go, like you said, Sean, when they go to the to GCP, it's, it's uh, pretty much infinite, you know, within bounds, but it's a, the bounds are pretty significant. So the ability to spin up those workloads on demand and then spin them down when they're not using them, gave them that kind of scalability. Is that really what resulted in that? Yeah, it, it is. And, there's a couple of things that you mentioned, Bill, that, you know, fire off the old synapse uh, in the brain here, <laughs> which is, you know, the scalability. Now, of course, when you have GCP and other cloud providers as well, I don't know, am I allowed to talk Azure uh, on this, but Absolutely. yeah, other yeah. cloud providers as well. You know, I, I created, and you guys maybe can explain this one to me. There's something out there called a walking video. Have you seen these? His, his thing on LinkedIn and this, these people, they create videos, short two minute videos of themselves walking around their neighborhood. Oh, I've seen them. Yes. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And they give little like sales tips or, or techniques or something like right. that. And I'm hearing about these things and oh, they're, they're popular. They're, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I watched a few and I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a walking video. And I'm going to talk about cloud elasticity and compare it to a, you know, a sweatpants. You know, you need the elasticity of the sweatpants when you're growing. And then in theory, when you lose the weight, the sweatpants is supposed to shrink back down. Now I've never experienced that. Right. Um, but the walking videos, they do. They get a lot of attention. People love them. And they're exhausting because you're actually walking in Raleigh heat. It's 95 degrees and I'm out there walking up and down my sidewalk making this video. Um, so the elasticity definitely was a big, big benefit. But then also what a lot of people don't take into consideration is the auto scale. Right. Because these cloud vendors, they love it. When you burst your cloud, when you burst your compute up into the cloud, you spin up all these VMs and they bill you based on consumption. And that's great. But what a lot of people don't realize or remember is that if you don't shut those VMs down, if they're not being used, you're still burning that consumption. And then at the end of the billing cycle, you get hit with a big consumption bill for all these VMs that people haven't used. So Citrix auto scale, you know, has to be pulled into the mix so that those VMs can be auto scaled down too, as well as up, but auto scaled down. So they're not being hit with the bill. Exactly. And then speed wise, so another little nugget that uh, Ulrich threw out, which I thought was was amazing as well, is that he went, or Oncology Venture went from do from doing fifteen hundred analyses in two and a half weeks. That's how long it took them to do fifteen hundred of their testings um, for cancer treatments. They could then do fifteen hundred in an hour with that wow. combination of Citrix workspace, auto scale, 
GCP, and then of course, you know, Citrix files for the data sharing of the results. Wow. And Sean, if I, could, if I could pause you there, I mean, that's solving challenges, whether it's personal, your Facebook communication, whether it's business, that's what IT does. We get a lot of us propeller heads get tied up in the uh, get tied up in the technical of it. And really what Ulrich's done here is he's solved a need, a business need and a human need using the technology, which is the right order of, of looking at it versus a lot of folks who look at, you know, technology being the driver. It should be the enabler of whatever the driver is. Exactly. And it could have been all too easy for him to say, you know what? It takes us two and a half weeks to do 1500 tests. And that's it. That's the story. That's the end of the story. You could, he could have accepted that as just fact, but he recognized this opportunity where he could leverage this tech to really make an impact on not only his clinician lives, but then the impact on the patient lives that this has too. the speed. I mean, from two and a half weeks to an hour to get test results. That's, that's I don't want to be dramatic here, but I would say that's, that's life saving. Well, it is. It is life-saving. And John, what I've got on the screen here, I don't know if you can see my screen, but I pulled up this statement that happened, I don't know, a, a year ago now where, you know, the world decided that data is more valuable than oil. Of course, oil in the U.S. at least a month ago was rock bottom. But my point is data has become the most valuable thing on earth, even though it's not all that tangible, but it's real. And analytics from that data is what's going to, you know, help propel us to make changes into the future. Mm-hmm. And there's so much data out there, too. If you look at some of the companies that are wrangling just the seas of data that we have available to us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Sean, what else uh, What else do you want to cover here now that we've got the, got the microphone to talk about Citrix and Google and, and, and noble causes that people have? What, what else can we cover while we've got you? <laughs> Uh, that's probably a, that might be a bad question to ask you actually that, that that could be a very bad question but you know we don't have many sports going on here so I can't brag about you know Boston sports teams in this in this podcast um, but you mean you, know, after, you mean the Patriots after the post Brady era post Brady is going to be fine we got Bill Belichick still Brady's you know you know that'd be like me playing football right now yeah. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be pretty. I, I think I've got the the aches and the pains of Gronkowski and maybe the gray hair of uh, of Tom Brady. Here's, here's the way I'll leave it. I've got a, a young guy that works for us that's a big Patriots fan. Never, never's had a losing season, never had a uh, 500 season. When I was a child, I was a Steelers fan. And the only thing, um, you know, post the Super Bowls of the late 70s, the only thing that always made me feel better was at least they weren't as bad as the Patriots. And, of course, all that flipped over. Uh, and uh, But it, it's, it's, I will, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few years, um, how people take – you know, not being superior yeah. and maybe they will be, uh, but man, the bar is really high. Well, I'll tell you, this is a little insight into my personality and maybe we can analyze this on a future podcast, but lately 
uh, Fox Sports and I think NBC Sports have been playing, you know, classic games, you know, the, the most infamous games in sports history. And I literally watched the uh, what was it? The 80s, the game six of the 86 World Series, the infamous Bill Buckner bloop down the first baseline. I watched that. Right. In its entirety. And then the next Saturday, just a week later, I watched Super Bowl, what was it, 30, 31 Bears Patriots, where the Bears had the biggest victory in Super Bowl history. When Tony Eason and uh, and uh, Steve Grogan were still the quarterback of the Patriots, so I lived them originally. I remember those games distinctly uh, when I was a teen, and then I I forced myself to rewatch them again. And guess what? It turns out in your fifties, those losses suck just as bad as they did when I was in my. Teen. <laughs> I, I, I think there's a, I think there's an analytic story that should be told in there somewhere. <laughs> I think there's I think there's a counseling story in there. <laughs> Why would I watch those things? <laughs> it's like I had to remember how bad we were, how bad we had. It. Right. Yeah. Well, that's definitely true. Well, Sean, I appreciate you coming on and, and telling a story uh, beyond just the tech, but how the tech was used uh, specifically around Citrix and, and Google Cloud Platform, GCP. Um, and just you know, glad to have you join us. And if, if, as you have other ideas and other blogs, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, but feel free to reach out and let us know that you want to talk again. We'd, we'd love to have you. Sounds good. I'd love, to, I'd love to come on the show anytime, anytime. And, you talking, and I, I speak this from the heart in all honesty. And it's not just because I have friends who work over there, but Zentegra is definitely one of my favorite partners to work with the enthusiasm, the zeal, as well as just the mastery of the technology from the different vendors like Citrix uh, and Google and Microsoft at all as just second to none. So Zentegra asked me to, to do something. I'm all over it. Definitely always love working with you guys. Well, that's great. Thanks, Sean. And, and we and we know we've got to we've got to keep trying and continue to get better. I think that's probably the thing I love most about the company we've started here is that we are we're not gonna settle for where we are today. We we're gonna keep going. Yep. All right, Bill, anything else before we let Sean off the hook here? Uh, the only thing I'll say, Sean, is I miss baseball and I miss my Red Sox. I need them to come back, man. Yep. Soon enough. Thanks for joining us today though. Thank you. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Citrix Session with your hosts, Andy Whiteside and Bill Sutton. A special thanks to our guests, podcast produced by Pete Downing. Head over to Zentegra.com forward slash podcast to listen to all podcasts in this series. 